McNulty's done incredibly well to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. Bosby are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, scores yeah. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They've won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bombay fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 50. Well we've got an absolutely amazing episode for you guys this week. It's the 50th anniversary of the PO Forecast. Uh, joining us today on the podcast is Pompey absolute legend Ricardo Rocha. Ricardo, how are you today mate? Uh, I'm not a real, real legend but I'm good, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, you're, you're def- definitely a legend in the Pompey fans eyes so um, I'm sticking with that. Thank you, Thank you for that. that. No, indeed. Um, obviously, co-hosting the podcast with me this week, uh, returning again, is Andy Mitchmore. How are you, Andy? Hiya, mate. Always a pleasure. I'm not too bad, thank you. Good to be here. And also, we've managed to get Greg back on the podcast. Greg, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Happy to be back. Third time lucky. <laughs> That's it. Well, we might as well get straight into it, guys. So, Ricardo, it's been uh, it's awesome to have you on the show. And let's just start, really, it's just working out how you got into football. Um, so before you got to uh, Familico and Braga, if I get, got that actually right, Portuguese sounding, um, what, yeah. got you in, what got you into football? How, how did you manage to, to get picked up by one of the pro teams in Portugal? Well, uh, you know, I always liked sports. So I played all kinds of sports, you know, du- during my, my childhood. And, uh, and it got to a time that I started playing uh, futsal, you know, and then a small club near my school, uh, they needed players to play uh, football in uh, 11 pitch, you know. And uh, I went there and I tried. I was a goalkeeper until I was like 12 or 13. Uh, and I started, I started enjoying it so much. And then uh, in one training, I, I don't know why, I, I just got the ball and I started uh, doing my, my own stuff. And, uh, and the managers just put me to play um, as a striker at the time, you know. And, uh, and from then on, I was, uh, then I was a, a midfielder and then I went back to, to defense and I stayed there forever, you know, until I, I, I became a pro. But I started as a normal kid, you know, enjoying sports and enjoying football. And always dreamed about being a professional player, but uh, you, you guys know, everybody knows how difficult it is. But, you know, if you work hard and if you believe and if you suffer a little bit because it's not all about good things in football or pro football, uh, you can get there. Was, uh, was football always the sport you wanted to play or did you try out four or five different sports and then settle on football when you were sort of 12 onwards? Uh, yes, I tried uh, a lot of sports. I think uh, because I, uh, I I wanted to study uh, and and to and to graduate in in sports as well. So sports was always 
part of my life and I tried different sports. But then it got to a, to a time that, you know, I loved football and it was my passion. And I started to believe that it, 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 it was something I wanted to do uh, as a pro in the future. So I started to, uh, to work hard to, uh, to become one, you know. Yeah, uh, just a quick one on that. Um, how was your family like for supporting you with it? Were they like behind you, or were they saying, "Oh, do you not want to be a doctor or whatever"? Or no, they just, they were just like you know, uh, you you need to study. You know, first you need to study, then you can play football. But I think it's it's easier nowadays than it was before because before when I started and you know, we we as kids we did everything by by ourselves. You know. Because our parents were working, they were uh, committed with with work. They couldn't take us anywhere. I, w I would walk or take a, bi uh, a bike to to training, uh, you know. And it was more difficult nowadays. You know, kids have more support from from the families and the parents, and uh, the conditions they have to to play football as well are, are much much better. But I think my, my family was a normal family. They liked football. Uh, and they supported me as long as I uh, I enjoyed uh, doing what I did. Uh, but they were not, uh, you know, concentr concentrated and of me becoming a footballer. They never thought it, it would be possible, to be honest. Oh, that's a very interesting insight for that. Um, so obviously, you went from Braga, who is a respectably well-known club, but then. Mm -hmm. Then you step up to Benfica. Let's be honest; they're a massive club, and yeah. especially in the early two thousands, was that how was that? I mean, did it, did it add a lot of pressure to go from from this club to that club? Yeah, it was it was big because you know when I went to Braga, I was playing like third division in Portugal when I started uh, as a pro in in a, in a small a small club that now it's in the in the first league. It's called Famalicão. Uh, but at the time they were in the like third league, so I started. Uh, I went uh, uh, Braga bought me, and then I, I came back to the team uh, on loan because I needed to get more experience. And then Braga made the the, the B teams. We call the B teams here in Portugal. It's like a reserve team. Mm. Um, yep. And they played, they played in the in the third division as well. So I started there. You know, played a lot. And then you know, football is it's it's about uh, opportunities and luck as well. So one time, uh, you know, the 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 central defenders in the first team, one was suspended, uh, uh, another one was injured, and in 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 another week, uh, another one got injured. So, you know, and we were playing Sporting, which is a big team here in Portugal as well. So the manager thought, you know, well, why not? <laughs> let me pick, let me pick Ricardo and give him a chance. And uh, you know, I made a fantastic game. We won three-one, and uh, you know, I, I got my my spot in the in the first team. I played a lot in in that year. Uh, started the new season in the first team again. Uh, made a. a, a a very good uh, season as well, and then I went to Benfica. You know, Benfica, it's as you said, it's it's another level. It's a, a massive club here in Portugal, but but it's my childhood club. So for me, it was you know, it was unbelievable to play for uh, 
for my club it's completely different the pressure you know um st still nowadays everywhere i go people recognize me for playing befica you know for you for you guys to see, to see how big the, the club is you know I, I of course i i won the the league title the the cup the super cup which brings all these memories to the fans and everything but it's a massive club here so to play for them for four and a half years you know, Champions League, Europa League, you know, it was a massive, massive achievement for me uh, as, a, as a player. And were there any particular players, you know, any special players that you played with um, at Benfica that you can sort of, you can name that, you, you know, you thought were, I don't know, inspirational, helped your development or anything? Well, I played with uh, a lot of Portuguese uh, players that uh, everyone recognised from the national team. I play, played with Simon Sabrosa, played with... Uh, with uh, Nuno Gomes as well, play the, I don't know, uh, a lot of players. Uh, a host of stars. Remember. I think those were, were the stars. You know, it was different uh, before because we nowadays, you know, uh, football is very universal. Uh, you have a lot of foreigners uh, everywhere. And uh, at the time we had like uh, our... our 11 players they started the games we had like seven or eight portuguese players you know uh, a lot of them in the national team so i think for you guys to to know a few i, I think uh, tiago played in chelsea uh, i would say uh, simon sabrosa nuno gomes i think those are the ones who uh, were really known uh, if i can say that mm. um this is a, a bit of a, a separate question i guess that we that just stems from an answer you said you say in, uh, in Portugal, and it's similar in, in other European countries, where B teams play in a league with other teams, uh, A teams. And in yeah. England, there's this big sort of well, argument, I guess, about B team boycotts, especially in some of the trophies, where, like Portsmouth, for example, we played Norwich City under-21s, or essentially their B team, in a group stage. What are your views on... Uh, on teams like, well, Portsmouth, for example, playing against Premier League B teams in a competitive environment. Do you think your views are a bit different because it's it's more normal in Europe than it is in a well in mainland Europe than it is in England? Well, I think in England might be di uh, different uh, the way the way people see it the the, the B teams because before uh, they had the reserve teams uh, mm. and they they, they play in their own league. You know, here in Portugal, they, they had a lot of success, but there's not a lot of, of B teams nowadays, you know, just the big teams, because they have so many players in, in, the, in the academy and, uh, you know, they, they, they want to, um, to give them the, a chance to prove themselves before, you know, they have to see if they, they really have the quality to, to play in the first team, you know. And uh, it's it's a way of them to get experience because playing in third division, you play against teams that have a lot of experienced uh, players, and that that gives you uh, a lot of knowledge of of uh, of how to develop and what will you find if you if you go to a higher level. Mm. Um, so I think it's different from England because you would have a lot of B teams uh, wanting to 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 play. In the in that division, uh, I would say here in Portugal was very important because I had that chance. I had the chance to play in the in the in the B team, and then uh, something happened with the players, you know, injuries or uh, suspensions, and I had the 
the the possibility to play to play for them and then I played well and I got the chance to to stay in the in the in the first team now here in Portugal they they created a new competition called the under under 23 uh just just under 23 teams you know uh, uh, again to help develop the players who are not you know they don't they don't uh, you know there's a lot of quality and not all the players have the chance to to uh, to play in good teams so they try to develop a project that uh, you know would uh, would would keep the players at at a higher level and uh, and for people to have the knowledge of their um, qualities you know so i think uh, anything that can be done to to help the young players because because it's always different when you go through all the levels of the youth academy and you 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 then become um, or have to go as a professional you know it's it's always a big challenge so whatever people can do to to help the players to make that uh, that cross if i can say that you know uh, it, it's very good, and uh, and it, it will definitely help them. Sure, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we jump forward a little bit in time, and you move across to, to England and join Spurs originally, um, something we asked uh, Lamane Lualua when he came on the podcast was how the style of football in England was different from. He moved from Portsmouth to Olympiacos, uh, and obviously you came across the other way around to England. How different did you find the style of football that was played here and sort of the physical attributes you needed to succeed in England versus Portugal? Yeah, it was it was completely different, you know, because here in Portugal, I was known to be a, a tough defender, a hard defender, you know. Uh, I was... I was <laughs> When I was uh, playing, uh, you know, I was, I was uh, very, very tough. But when I, I, I say to my friends, when I went to England, I thought, you know, if, if in Portugal I'm, I'm a big guy, in England I'm like a, a kitty, you know, mm. because everything was like completely different, you know. I, I got stitches on my lip in the in the first game. I had the stitches on my um, my eyebrow in the second game. So you know when I when the first games I was like you know this is like war and you have to, you have to adapt and if you don't have the time to adapt it's it's very difficult and you you'll be in trouble you know and uh, I I went to to England in January and I thought that I, w- I would be okay you know but but now with with the experience I, I had you know it's not easy to to go to a club in England in January because everything is new, you know, the way you drive, um, the, uh, the, the weather, you know, the, the, um, the difficulties of the league, of the quality of the players. But, you know, it, it always helps you to develop. Mm. And, I had to, and I had to develop as, as quickly as possible, you know. Here in Portugal as well, you know, players are very friendly. If you're, if you're a foreigner, you come here, you know, the, the locals will help you a lot in everything you you need. And in in, the, in England, it's completely it's completely different. You have to do it everything by yourself. You know, you have some help from people in the, in the clubs, but it's it's the, the rest is completely different. And you know, as as everything in life, you have to to adapt. If, unfortunately, there was a, there were a lot of things that didn't work out in in Tottenham. Uh, those were one of the oh, I had those things you know family was not settled they didn't like it in the beginning i had a lot of injuries uh but everything changed when i went back to uh, 
and play for Portsmouth because I already knew that it was a great opportunity for me to show that I, I, I had the value to play in the league. You know, I, I wanted to, to prove people when I was in Tottenham that they were wrong. Uh, and now I and now I, I was already adapted to the league, so I just went there and go. You know, I'll, I'll do this. You know, they gave me a chance. I'll play for them. I'll do. I'll give my best, and I'll prove. Uh, I'll, I'll prove everyone that my time in Tottenham should uh, should uh, should have been better. Mm. What what was it about Portsmouth that made you settle in better? Do you think was it a case of that you'd just been in the country for a few months? So I mean, was did you speak fluent English at that point? Was it the people at Portsmouth that that made it an easier transition, or was it just well, yeah? What what made it easier? I always uh, spoke English well. You know, everybody was surprised when I when I and uh, when I went to Tottenham and I started speaking. To everyone, they they were like, "Oh, you speak English?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, I like speaking English." They were like, "Oh, that's not normal." Okay, it's not normal for the others, but for me, it's normal. <laughs> so English was not was never a problem with Portsmouth. I think you know, since the day I got there, you know, the the way people treated me, I I, I was like, I, I felt like I was home, you know. And, and another thing that made me so so. So uh, I would say special. It's not special, but I, I knew I, I I would be successful there. When I got the the my first red card, you know, I didn't mean to make the foul against Sunderland. You know, it was a professional foul, and I got the red card. It was my first game at Fratton. You know, I mm-hmm. I was in the dressing room and I called my agent uh, or my friend that took me to Portsmouth at the time, and I said, "Look, you know." I'm in trouble, you know. I, I won't play anymore because I got the red card. You know, fans would, <laughs> fans, fans would not like me because you know it's my first game uh, at Fratton and I got the red card. And and I was like, oh my god, what I'm going to do in the future? And and then you know, next week I didn't play. I got the chance to play again, and I was like, people was like, I never done anything you know i just had to give 100 percent and and the fans would would be there so for me it was like whoa let's you know i i had i felt i felt no pressure you know it's in for a player to feel no pressure and feel confident to see if you and you for, for you to know that you need to give a hundred percent, and you know everybody will be happy for you. The moment the moment was was not good at the time for the club, but you know us as professionals at the time, we, we just wanted to um, to give our best for the club, uh, win win as many games as possible. We uh, we got to the FA Cup uh, semi final and then final, and do it for the fans. There was. Every, every day or before every game, the message that uh, the manager as always uh, was passing to us was that, you know, let's do this. You know, the club is in a difficult situation and we, we need to do it for ourselves as professionals, but for the fans as well. I mean, we reached a time now where some of these younger Pompey fans coming through don't really remember how tough the times were then. Um, yeah. Can you um, describe sort of some of the difficulties, you know, at the club and how you got through them, really? Well, it it wasn't easy because I think every day something new would would come up, and we're not sure if the club would would survive until the the end of the of the season. To be honest, it was you know we had to work day by day, uh, honestly, and and 
hoping that uh, everything would be okay for, uh, until the, at least the end of the season. Uh, so that's that's why we 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 stick together at the time, you know. And uh, and uh, as I was telling you guys before, we just thought, you know, let's do this. Let's. Uh, Let's give uh, our best in every every training session, every game we have until the end of the season, and let's do this. You know, our goal honestly was to um, to try and win the the, the FA Cup. You know, we, that, that would be that would have been amazing. You know, going down, winning the FA Cup, and giving yeah. That, yeah. that pleasure to the to the fans. But I think we. We came out with our heads high, and uh, you know, and uh, we made the, the the fans and the club and and the city as well because everything is connected and together. We made every everybody proud. They did indeed. I remember being at the game. Actually, it was it was really it was really close, wasn't it? And it could have gone could have gone a different way. Um, you know, with the penalties and I remember David James yeah. looking there, and you know, there was a couple of crossbars, wasn't there, that came off in in uh, in yeah. the game it, it, in it, our favour. They had a lot of, of good chances in the in the first half. Uh, we need to be honest about that. But uh, we, we you know we fought back, and I think in the second half we were much better. And uh, if that penalty goes in, you know, yeah, maybe maybe uh, things would would have been uh, completely different. But you know, it's football. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, great a great day for for all Pompey fans. No, I remember. I, I was, you know, I was really proud of everyone, and I, I thought, you know, when we came back in the second half, we were going to win, but it didn't really matter because the performance was was so good against the Chelsea side that were quite unbelievable at the time. That, yeah, it was a it was a great performance. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, can I ask you, Ricardo? Because obviously, you've mentioned about the troubles um, and the insecurity, if you will, of the job. Um, mm. Did, did everyone kind of like have the same sort of hey let's just go and do this or was it people i don't know maybe people kids or something are a bit nervous and was there anyone that sort of like stood out even you, you can of course include yourself that kind of took the lead and said hey come on guys let's just let's just give everything we can because we don't know if tomorrow is going to be another day of football or not yeah yeah it was it was all about that you know we don't we don't know if we'll survive one more day or one more week. And w when I say we, uh, I say everybody, not just the players uh, and uh, the, the managers. Uh, you know, we, we say the the whole staff that work that worked on the club, you know, we have to think by, to, uh, about ourselves, but we need to think about the others as well. And, you know, and everybody was, was afraid of, of losing their job. And, you know, everybody at the time had family. So you always... Think about uh, these these things, and uh, and I think it gives you more motivation, you know, to you know, to uh, to give your best in the training and give your best in in the games you have until you had until the the end of the season because we knew we knew uh, at that time how how the club how special the club is for for the fans and for the city. So you know, everybody that plays in Portsmouth, they they know. They, they, it's impossible not to know, and uh, it's impossible as well not to give, not to give a hundred percent for, for that club and uh, and for that those fans, you know. So as yeah. as a footballer, would one of the one of the, the sort of requirements that Pompey fans have, and pretty much all football fans, I guess, have from their players, is that players give a hundred percent, and you hear it quite a lot when you leave 
any football stadium, but I've heard it a lot leaving Fratton Park that, you know, fans saying that the players haven't given 100% or don't give everything for the club. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but a lot of people have that view, when they, especially when we've lost at home, for example. Do you think that, uh, from, again, not naming any individuals at all, but do you think there are any players who play professional football in League One, the Championship, the Premier League, do you think there's anyone who's reached that point, sort of that, that height of their career where they wouldn't give 100% for the shirt they're wearing? Or do you think that's just a bit of a, a, bit of a cliche that fans throw around? No, I think there must there must there must be a few, just a few. You know, you, you cannot control everybody, and they, everyone has their own way of of seeing things and and uh, and do things. You know, there's it it depends on the on the on the person. I, I I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't be somewhere where I wouldn't go in in into the pitch and not give a hundred percent. You know, mm. not not even not even about the fans, but about my myself and and being as a, a professional. You know, I, if I'm being paid, you know, when I was at Tottenham, the 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 good, uh, I didn't play. I wasn't playing, but I was there every day training. And a lot of of my teammates would say, you know, if I was in your situation, you know, I would I would fight them. You know, I wouldn't come to the training every day but the the only thing that I, I for me was special was uh the last day I was at Tottenham and uh, I was leaving my my contract had, had finished I had the one of the directors that came to me and said thank you I never saw someone as professional as you and for me that's the most important because they were paying me so if they were mm. paying me even though I was just training, I would give my best in training because I had to. And I think as everybody in any, any profession, um, anything they do in life, and they are paying, being paid for that, they, 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 just, give, they just need to give uh, the best they can. Yeah, agreed. 100%. Yeah, yeah that, that's all, all the fans really want to see, isn't it? Is uh, putting the effort into just even track back. Uh, in the like when it's the later stages of the game, just putting yourself through that pain barrier, putting your body on the line, that's what people yeah. want to see. What, um, what happens sometimes? Just, let me just say this: What happens sometimes that that is? I think I think it's my opinion only, but I think uh, the fans might see a player and see, oh, he's not giving a hundred percent, but he's doing his best. But you know, sometimes things that just don't. Don't work out, you know. Things you 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 can't do anything about what's happening in the game, and you you try your best, and it doesn't happen. Uh, but I'm sure that most of it of them, most of the players in any, in any league, they will mm. they will give their best every game. Mm. Do, you, do you think it's uh, one of those things that some players who maybe have their minds on being creative going forward, say, um, it's more in their game to play a different way rather than playing, say, box to box. So maybe some players get called out for being maybe a bit more well, not lazy or giving 100% but actually it's more to do with the flair they play in their game yeah I think so you know you see some players and you you can tell you know they will fight for everything and you have uh, uh, other players that you you look at them and you don't you, you don't know you just really don't know is he is he is he having a bad day or is he not is he not committed 100% you know it depends on the character of 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 the player and the person he is, um, and and uh, and then he, what he brings uh, to the game, you know, uh, I think it's a lot about that. 
Yeah, I yeah, completely agree. Mm-hmm. Going back yeah, to I mean, sort of players given given a hundred percent, we'll go back to the FA Cup final briefly. That's probably the I guess the the peak uh, moment in port in your Portsmouth career, other than the the Southampton game. We'll speak about in a moment. Um, yeah. We've talked about the game itself, sort of the the ebbs and the flows of the match. But from your point of view as a player coming across from Portugal to England and playing in the the final of the biggest domestic cup competition here, how was the experience from your perspective, sort of from waking up in the morning to getting your your uh, sort of second place medal at the end of the match? What were your what was your experience like as a whole? Well, it was amazing. You know, the the stadium is unbelievable. Uh, you know, the environment. You know. Pompey fans made made it incredible as always with with their support and uh, you know play uh, uh, with the ninety thousand people in an FA Cup uh, final, which is a, a big moment in in the English football. Uh, it's it's uh, it was an, a, a great moment. Uh, we we didn't get what we wanted. I think uh, the semi final was very very special because no one. <laughs> Uh, believed we we could do it. We were the, clearly the underdogs, uh, uh, and of course we we made it to the final, uh, which which was a big moment for the for the club, and we enjoyed it. I think the fans enjoyed it to be there, despite being relegated already. We enjoyed it playing in a final against a big team like Chelsea, full of amazing players, and uh, you know it was a, a really special day for everyone. Yeah, so um, speaking of which, and the hundred percent and the, the rivalry, um, I mean, was it like um, because it was mentioned before with David Norris about the mentality? I mean, we we went in and, uh, as underdogs against Southampton. You know, that's there's no doubt. And um, like, were you guys like, are we going to give a hundred percent? Did you feel you could win the game or get something? Or were you just like, I'm going to go out and give my 90 minutes and let's do this? Against, against Southampton? Yeah, the, 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 yeah, that one. <laughs> that's, that's the game everybody wants to play. You know, everybody was, was so nervous uh, about, about those games. You know, even in the beginning of the season, everybody like, oh, we're playing Southampton. Yeah, we will. Big rivals. Okay, so let's do it. You know, when the game comes, we... We're gonna do it. It's always special to play these, these, these games. You know, it means so much for the fans. You know, even the cities with all the the history behind it, uh, and uh, it's you never know what's going to happen. You know, it's so much uh, adrenaline in those games that sometimes it's not it's not about uh, you know the everything the manager says you're going to do this or that. You know, it's just what the what the game brings, and sometimes it's not. It's uh, you don't think you know just do stuff because you know how much how much it means you know when I played a few rivalries games and and Pompey against uh, Saints is just it's just it's just unbelievable you know unbelievable and so many memories so so many good mem- memories and I think it's good for for football as well uh, you know it's a special moment for for the fans and uh, of course. A special moment for the the players who need to be uh, we need who need to to have a great mentality because the bring the, the game brings all these different things um, and uh, you have to be prepared for everything. Mm. 
Do you remember a De- special bus? Sorry, on the bus that on the way down. I was about to ask the, the same coach. question here. I was going to Love ask exactly that. the same question, mate. Love that. Um, David Norris mentioned on the podcast to us that um, the gaffer played a, a video, like a highlights of all the good things you guys have done together um, on the coach. Do you remember that video being played um, on the way to the ground? No, I, I, can't, I don't remember, honestly. It's so, it's so uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, but but I'm I'm sure I'm sure he did that because you know uh, it was uh, it was a great moment for, for for us. I'm trying to remember. I'm talking to you guys, trying to remember. I, I think I remember something, but I was already focused and, and concentrated on on uh, what I had to do in the game. So uh, I think I was watching the video and and thinking to myself, you know, uh, to be prepared prepared for. The, for what the game was was bringing to us, and uh, at the end, it was just amazing uh, the way it finished. So I think that's the moment for us, uh, for all of us to uh, to remember. Yeah, and it was an amazing goal from David Norris, which obviously is is still celebrated by Pompey fans. Um, you know, Happy David Norris Day. Um, yes. where he, his... Sometimes I go to the, to YouTube just to uh, you know. To get goosebumps and and see the the Pompey fans celebrate, you know, it's just it's just the, the, these are the moments that stay forever, you know, and this is one of them for sure. Yeah, no, it was definitely a special moment, and I think that you know, apart from the David Norris goal, I think the other special moment that Pompey fans really remember from the game was um, when you, three uh, say, placed the ball, uh, kicked the ball into into the Southampton stand. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It always seems very unfair to, to uh, Chris Maguire, who scored such a good goal in that match, and it's it's, yeah. sort of the, it's the third memory behind David Norris's goal. And everyone remembers you smashing the ball into the Southampton fans more than they remember his goal. It always seems very very unfair on, was, on him. No, it was was that a, a bit of amazing gamesmanship there, Ricardo? Uh, was that was that part of the plan, or did it just happen? Or can you just talk no, us through I, it? I, I already spoke about that. I just wanted to hit the the publicity board, and I, and 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 I, and I missed <laughs> and I missed and I hit the fan. But you can see the video. I'm, I'm I'm apologizing to the fan, but they they wanted to come into the pitch, and I said okay, so. If one or two comes in, you know, I can maybe I can handle it. If 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 more ca- come in, I, I'll be in trouble. <laughs> and when I when I left, uh, Lalana was was speaking to me, you know, like, "What are you doing? Why do you do that?" And I said, "No, I, I said uh, I apologize, you know, I didn't mean that." And he started shouting, and I didn't like it, and uh, I did what I did. I, I was I was crazy because I could have. Uh, gotten a, a, a red card and uh, I got uh, a yellow and when the referee came to me and, and gave me the yellow I, I started thinking you know he's, he, he gave me the yellow so let me say that he, he, he did some he, he, I didn't deserve the yellow just for him to be you know for him not to think about the, the, <laughs> the so much you know I, I, because I thought I was being given the, the red you know so he gave me the the yellow, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that's good." So, hey, why did you give me the yellow? <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't deserve that. Come on, come on. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry, and I left. <laughs> so, oh, I, so I'm free from that bit. one. From that one, yeah. I love it. I've seen that on the video where I, you're I, sort I know, of I know, I know that Pompey, Pompey fans love the moment, but you know, I, 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 I didn't mean that. Honestly, I didn't mean that. The, the majority of questions we have uh, we've had sent in have been about 
whether or not that was on purpose and whether you'd do it again if you had the opportunity and whether a little part of you was maybe not aiming for the advertising boards. That's There's been a lot of questions being sent in about that one moment. Yeah. I already answered that. I honestly uh, wanted to uh, to hit the, the publicity board, and and I missed it. Uh, so I hit I hit the fine. I don't know who I hit honestly, but I hit I hit someone. And, you didn't, uh, and they didn't want, go back at the final whistle to see if they were okay. Then. <laughs> yeah, because I'm a, I'm an honest guy. If I do something I don't like, I will. I will apologize, and I did. But you know, in, in that in that environment, it's it's impossible for you to apologize yeah. about anything. So it happened with the, with the fans and and with Lalana as well. Yeah, no, well, yeah, I, I don't think you need to apologize to from on behalf of any Pompey fans. I think you're revealed for it. But these things happen, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Ricardo, um, obviously you had this little um, spat, shall we say, with Adam Lalana. Um, you probably didn't get on so well. I mean, at the end, did you shake hands genuinely, or is it just like a, a if at all, or is it just like oh, yeah, whatever? Because um, yeah, so you slapped him because of this, and yeah, like I said, it was legendary the way you put your hands together to the referees, like, come on, <laughs> don't be like that. Mm. But um, at the end of the day, was it 90 minutes and done, or did, was there still a little animosity between the two of you at the end of the game? No, I think I think it happens with uh, with uh, every, uh, not all professional players, but, you know, during a game, it's, it's you're, you're fighting for your team, you know, uh, you're, you're, uh, I would, I wouldn't say it's a war, you know, but it's like a war. And when it finishes, you know, you're a professional. You have to uh, to congratulate your opponents, and uh, it's all done. What what's done, it's done, and you you move you move forward to to the next game. I think it's it's a lot about respect as well. You know, you need to respect uh, everybody in in the game. During the game, you know, you're you're fighting each other. When it finishes, you know, it finishes, and uh, you respect everybody. You shake the hands with everybody, and uh, and you 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 go away. So uh, honestly, uh, and I'm a, I'm I'm like that. You know, I'll do my best uh, in the game. If I need to kick someone, I'll kick someone. If I need to do something, I'll do it. But at the end of the game, you know, I'm a normal player. I'm I'm a normal player. I'm a normal uh, person. So you know. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll. For me, it's everything is okay. Or you know, yeah. if, if, yeah, well, if, if it's something you cannot control, you know, something really bad happens during the game. Of course, you'll you'll do something about it in in the end. But if it's just uh, you know normal play, nothing special, you know, it, it finishes when uh, 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 after the ninety minutes. I, yeah, I think I mean, you, that's, you, that's it. you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. A little bit of handbag. Everyone's sort of confident. I mean, you've got to look at Spain, for example. Spain in the 2000, early 2010s was predominantly Barcelona and Madrid. And they absolutely despised each other. And then they go and win two European Cups and the World Cup together. With, let's be honest, 90% of the two teams playing together. So, yeah. so obviously, it can be 90 minutes and done. I guess it has yeah. to be, yeah. yeah. It's about to respect. And uh, uh, 
what you're saying it's it's about the national team it, you know it's about the country so you need to stick together and do it for the country it, it's completely different but if it's uh, about the clubs it's one thing it's about the national team they need to be together you know it's a it's a very good example from uh, about what uh, what i was saying you know during during the 90 minutes you're fighting for your team you need to uh, to conquer the points you need to win you need to score goals you need not to concede goals and you do you need to do everything you can uh, to to win the game uh, after the 90 minutes you know you're you're a normal person you're a professional footballer and you have to respect the others yeah completely agree i think yeah. it's it's easier said than done i mean there's been interviews with uh, steven gerrard and frank lampard where they said it was they they really struggled playing centre midfield together for england when they really didn't get on that well because of the chelsea liverpool rivalry but i guess it's just yeah trying to put that club rivalry behind you uh, we'll jump forward a little bit in time. Uh, my memory's a bit hazy. Was it last season or this must have been last season you came back to Fradden Park, Ricardo, at halftime? Yeah. Um, yes, it was. How yeah. was that? We were Hugh and I were both at that game. Uh, you seemed to get a pretty good reception. How was that uh, coming back to Fratton? Oh, it was amazing, you know, to be with everybody. You know, I have a lot of good friends in uh, in, in there as, as well. Uh, and uh, you know the reception I had from the fans. It was really, really amazing. Everybody here in Portugal talked about it as as well. I was really surprised about it, but it, it shows the respect I have I have for the fans and the fans have for me. You know, at the end of the day, I, I enjoyed so much my time at at Pompey. You know, my my family was completely settled. Uh, they loved to be there. My kids in school, my wife. You know, me as well. I tried to stay as long as I could, you know, helping the club in very difficult situation, in very difficult situations. But you know, I always tried to do, to do the best I could, uh, you know. And uh, and I think that's the that's where I enjoy the most the respect I have from from the fans and uh, the respect they have uh, for me because you know they 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 are uh, honestly the the real legends of the, of the club. You know, without them, you know. We wouldn't be here talking about Pompey. So, and I, I think people need to uh, to remember that because it, it's gone, it's it's in the past, but uh, things are looking much much better now. But uh, we always need to remember what we went through because it it uh, remember it uh, reminds us, uh, you know, how difficult it was mm. and how close we were to uh, to being extinct. You know. Yeah, I think um, it, it, it relates into what Hugh was, what Hugh touched on earlier about. We've got a, we're starting to have that first generation of fans now, who don't quite remember how bad things were. So obviously they've got a knowledge on the subject, but I mean, I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before. I went out on a Friday night for a friend's birthday, and I went mm -hmm. out and looked at the news, and the last thing I saw was that on Saturday morning I probably wasn't going to have a football club anymore. And I think seeing yeah. that in seeing that now is. You know, our sort of 14, 15 year old fans probably can't quite get their head around how that would feel, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah sure, but, for sure. So, if that's one of the reasons you've got that, that connection with Pompey fans, um, yeah. what is it that makes you keep in touch with fans like you do? So, your direct messages are open on Twitter. 
we see you interacting yeah. with Pompey fans a lot of the time. Obviously, you and Greg talk a bit on Twitter as well uh, with Greg's yeah. replays that he puts on uh, for every game when he's watching on iFollow. But uh, what is it that makes you want to keep in touch with the fans more than some other players do, do you think? Well, because I'm a fan, you know, I'm a fan of the club. So if I, if I cannot see what, what what's happening in the games, you know, I always go to Twitter to see the opinion of, of the of the fans and everybody about what happened in the game, what's happening with the club, you know, with the things that, that are, do, are being doing right, the things that are being doing wrong. You know, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of Benfica here in Portugal, but I'm a fan of Portsmouth in England. So, uh, you know, I, I always want to see what's happening with with the club, if things are, are being done properly, because I wish the club well. And I'm a, I'm a Pompey fan. So if I'm a Pompey fan, I, I need to interact with the, with the other Pompey fans. I think it's it's normal. You know, I'm a huge fan of the club. You know, I became one. Not just me, but my wife and uh, my son, uh, especially my daughter was was younger. She, she doesn't remember too much. But us three, we are lo- always looking to to the results and uh, mm. to, to see what's happening with the club. You know, I, I joined I joined Twitter because of of Pompey. So you know, I think that's 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 a normal interaction with the, with the fans, and I yeah. enjoy it. I think it's appreciated on both ends. Then, yeah, I think yeah, massive. It's 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 quite a nice novelty as you know, as fans of a club to have former players wanting to stay involved with the club. You know, six years after they've left the team, it shows yeah. that you know what you're talking about earlier about um, the the love that you have for a club when you play for them. That that doesn't just stop as soon as you your contract ends and you move to another team or you retire. The fact that yeah. you know you're still interacting six six ish years on. Kind of, it just evidences and backs that up, I suppose. Yeah, and you know, let me. It's uh, there. There, there are things that you cannot explain uh, in words, you know. And I think uh, with Pompey and me, it's a little bit like that, you know. I felt so welcomed. Uh, uh, people were so friendly with me. Uh, the fans were so friendly with me. And I enjoyed so much my time there, even though with with all the problems, you know, uh, yeah. I always tried to to go back and help. And you know, it's it's like a relation I created with the with the club and the fans, and you know, I enjoy it. Like a almost like a Portsmouth Twitter ambassador, I think, with well, the eyes of a lot of people. I, I know I I know sometimes I need to be careful because if I say something that's not too good, you know, people will take that and talk about it. Uh, but uh, you know, I I want people to to look at me uh, not uh, as a former player, but you know, as a normal fan. So they have their views. I have mine. Most of it we we all agree. Uh, others maybe we don't because I cannot I cannot speak about something I don't see every day or every game you know mm. and if I, I if I need yeah. to have a clear opinion about the subject related to the club I need to know what's happening and sometimes I don't do it because I don't know what's happening you know uh, at the moment I, I look at the results 
especially and and uh, and uh, the the place the, the club is in the table so i i talk about that you know i i cannot talk about the the way they play if they they they're giving 100% or not you know i i i talk about what what i what i see and i go and see what what the fans say about what's happening in the club especially uh, now you know i think they 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 understand that Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the end day, as you, as you stated yourself, you're a fellow Pompey fan. So it, regardless of when you used to play before or not, you should be able to give your opinion just as much. And I think that's admirable. You know, you say what you feel. And like yeah. you say, most of the time people agree. And if they don't, then it's your opinion is as valued as Hughes, Andy's, yeah. myself or anyone else on there. Uh, you always, you always have to respect the opinion of of people. You know, everybody has their own opinion, and you have to, even if you don't agree with it, you have to respect it. You know, uh, and it's it's like I was telling you guys, I don't do it too much because I'm not there, I'm not seeing everything. Uh, but uh, wherever I need to say, I'll I'll do it. I don't have any any problems with that. You know, I just want to the I I just want as as any fan, I just want the club to win. I just want the club, honestly, uh, for me, to be in the Premier League because I think it's a club that deserves to be in the Premier League. There's a long way to to uh, to walk or to to go through to be there, but I think it's possible. And you know, uh, the the best thing is for the club to 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 win and uh, and get the results. That's the that's what I want as as a, a normal fan. As a as a fan, I suppose you've had a bit more, um, you know, exposure coming back to the club. And do do you think that generally the club's heading in the right direction? I think so. You know, we were talking uh, um, about uh, the, the the problems the club had a few years ago, and look at what uh, at where we are now. You know, I think that we have the right people uh, in, in front of the club, of course. Uh, Uh, fans always think that uh, they need to do more. Uh, I, I think they're doing uh, things uh, the way they think uh, it, they need to be done. Uh, but as fans, we, we always want more and more and more. And uh, I think we have some uh, uh, good owners uh, that want the best for the club. Uh, and and I think uh, the place we've been before. Uh, and the place we are now, we are much, much better, you know. Mm. Mm. So, um, like, so what are you doing with yourself these days? Now, obviously, you're completely retired from physical football. Like, mm -hmm. what, what are you doing now with yourself? Well, I'm, I'm working on in TV. You know, I have a, a program. Uh, I work uh, in uh, in the weekends about uh, football. I represent uh, Benfica in the program. Uh, there's that uh, it was something I, I never thought I was going to do, but uh, I got uh, the invitation like a year ago, and it's been going well. Uh, I'm with uh, in television as well, uh, going through Champions League with Benfica. And I do other things related to uh, to football, you know, because football was was my life and it still is because I love football and I I want to be uh, connected with football as as long as I can, you know, it's part of my life still. 
Are you doing anything like, um, if I may ask this, of course, um, are you looking at anything about doing uh, coaching or training? No, no, I don't. Future? No, no, I, I, don't, I didn't do that. Uh, I took my second level in uh, in England, but I don't want to be to be a manager. You know, I had a I had a degree in uh, sports management uh, with the Portuguese DFI. Uh, that's what I was uh, looking to do in the future, and I still uh, want to do. Uh, but who knows? You know, I'm always open to. Uh, uh, to, uh, to to work in in football wherever you know it brings to me uh, so but not not uh, as a, as a coach or, or as a football manager no that's that's nothing uh, that's nothing i look i look forward to so is that fixed or is that never say never no no i re i really don't uh, don't want to do it no 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 i, I don't think you know <laughs> i think you need to you need to, you need to uh, to feel it inside that it's really something you want to do, and I don't feel it. Uh, I don't feel it. No, no, no. I don't want to. I don't want to be a manager. You know, I want to be to work close to the team. You know, uh, as a director of football or something like that, where you you can still have a relationship with the, uh, and talk about football with the, with the, with the manager, with the coach, with the players, with the, with the board. You know, with the CEO, uh, and uh, you, you still talk about football. You still you still make decisions. So I think that's that's the thing I want to do in the future. If if I can fi find something that uh, you know a good project uh, for the future. So um, uh, of our listeners who messaged in, Hutch and Ed, are both you, afraid, and Ricardo is not going to be taken over as manager. Um, <coughs> Going on to that, then maybe we can um, open up a director of football role. You never know um, at Portsmouth. <clears throat> yeah, so just going to do a little quiz now, quickly, Ricardo, and okay. it's uh, something that uh, you should know a bit about anyway because you were involved in it. So we're just going to go through the team. Can you name the starting eleven uh, for the 2010 FA Cup final that you're in? Um, only thing is, you might want to start of yourself because if you get one of them wrong, then that's the end of the game. So. Can you can you oh. name all the players on the pitch with you? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. It's Davy James. Yep. It's uh, Finan, right back. Yep. yep. It's uh, uh, me, Mokoena, and yep. uh, Hayden Mullins. Yep. Uh, who else? Uh, okay. So, so, will I go through positions or not? You can do positions, positions, however you want. However you want. Okay. Just name the name of the team. So I said uh, five, yeah, That's five, right. yeah. Yep. So, so uh, Picione, uh, yep. uh, Dindan. Yeah, good. Yep. And that's uh, three, uh, four missing. Yeah. Yep. Four. Yep. That's right. Yep. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, uh, Michael Brown? Yep. Um, yeah. Oh. Uh, was mentioned the penalty earlier. <laughs> oh, yeah, Boateng, yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course, yeah. I forgot yeah. about him. Uh, so, two more, yeah? That's yeah, correct. two more. Yeah, only two more. Uh, it's one, uh, okay, okay. Uh, I, I, need, I need some help, I don't know. Okay, so you've got um, some midfielders here. You've got one absolute yeah. Jamie, power. Jamie, Jamie, was Jamie playing? 
Yep. 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 He was. So one missing, yeah? That's it. Well, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. Ricardo. Was it? Was it? Was it the third midfielder? So you're it looking was. at. He, he's an African footballer. Yeah, I know. He's a big one. Sorry, okay, I forgot his name. Uh, he retweets my goals. <laughs> he's that's not help, Greg. Goals. <laughs> <laughs> he played at Fulham. Yeah. I'm gonna. Get, I'm gonna give you one. I'll give you his. Uh, I'll give you his first name. His name is Papa. Papa Diop. There, there you go. go. There you go. We'll give you that. We'll give you that. 11, 11 yeah. players. Yeah, you guys know I knew him. I, di- <laughs> I didn't remember the name because I said he played in Fulham and he played in Fulham. So I knew I knew who he was. So I got the 11. You yes. got 11. E- even Spot if you got 10, you're our first Spot contestant. Spot so you'd have been top anyway. <laughs> What's my prize? Well, you're, you're top of the just, league, so we'll, we'll get uh, David Norris back on and get him to do I it think, for the, the two. I think, can I get the motion this year? Please. <laughs> we'll take yeah. uh, okay. bonus points for substitutes. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's a bit that's hard. That's, that's a bit hard, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah. Think, we'll think of a prize for you, Ricardo. Um, we actually didn't think of it that far in advance, but <laughs> you are now top top of the league. So congratulations. Um, and people who don't get all 11 will be beneath you. So, hey, that's, uh, that's think, a good start. I think people will get them. We'll get that there, yeah. I think they, they still remember, for sure. Yeah, yeah but we'll you're still the first. No, we'll do a different quiz, you see, for different people. So we'll just make everyone else's really difficult. So you'll stay at the oh. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah the, the 3rd of January, home against Blackburn Rovers. Nil-nil draw. <laughs> <laughs> Name all 11 players. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be difficult. Um, what we'll do then is uh, we'll go through, we've got a few uh, questions, comments that people have sent in that we've picked out. Uh, the yeah. first one we've got is uh, is from Bradley Groves, who is interested to know how you feel about Southampton six years after leaving Pompey. So if we go with a, a scale of how much you, let's say, dislike them as a club, if you've held on to any hard feelings, sort of on a scale of one to a hundred. Well, I... I, I uh... I don't, I don't, I don't like him. I don't like them because you know they're the the rivals from uh, from Portsmouth. It's the only thing I I have to say about them. You know, mm. it's it's the only thing. You know, when when you have the rivals, you you, you always want them to <laughs> to lose. Uh, so I'm I'm just a normal fan. I want them to lose because you know I prefer Pompey to. Uh, to win and uh, and and see their rivals uh, uh, worst in worst position, I think. And did you enjoy the Leicester City game then? I'm assuming on Friday. Yeah, Greg, Greg sent me <laughs> <laughs> at the halftime. I didn't see the game, so when when the, the when I went to my phone and so I saw the result, I was like, "Whoa, my God, that's that's just unbelievable!" You know, to get that result. You know, but you all you all, you always feel for the players, honestly, because it's it's never it's never good for for the players to get a result like that. So you know, I always I always think as a professional, you know, and I wouldn't like to be in that position. Uh, mm. And I have well, to say that. You know. I think they're they're three nil they're three nil down against Man City as we speak, as we record. Uh, so and about the club, you know, that's brutal, isn't it? How much? How long is they left to play, Andy? I uh, just started the second half. Aguero's just scored their third, but that's in the the League Cup rather than the the League, but or the Carabao yeah. Cup, whatever it's called. But 
not ideal for them. Yeah, and they get the sponsors right. They yeah, got <laughs> yeah, they got them in the league again this weekend. Sponsorship is super important to us, Greg. You know that. Uh, <laughs> Caribou would be nice to us, mate. They gave us a pair of tickets yeah, true. to fans. Yeah, very true. Yeah, okay. We'll give them a shout out then for the Carabao Cup. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah big Good. up. Okay, cool. Um, Freddie, who writes for us, Freddie Webb also asked this question. And I think he partly answered it already, Ricardo, to be honest, but he just goes into a bit more detail. He said that when Pompey went on their FA Cup run, um, how did you and the rest of the squad manage to maintain the morale and confidence in the dressing room? Um, was it something that was sort of spoke about a lot or was it just something that you just understood all together as a team and just sort of went through it together? Yeah, we went through it together, you know, game by game. Honestly, as I, as I said before uh, about it, you know, we we were doing uh, doing it for, for for ourselves, for the club, and for the fans. You know, uh, the, the the club was in a difficult situation, so we we always tried to uh, to give our best and 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 for the club to be um, to be talked or known for for good good reasons and not only uh, bad reasons at the time. So we went. We got to a point that we thought, you know, maybe we can do something special in the in the in the FA Cup. You know, I, I wasn't involved uh, when we went to St Mary's and we won against uh, Southampton four-one. Uh, uh, you know, and and that was a massive result. You know, <laughs> uh, winning against our rivals and going mm. through another phase of the of the FA Cup. You know, and then playing against uh, me myself, playing against my former club in the in the semi-finals at at Wembley when everybody was was throwing us down and uh, as us being the underdogs. You know, for me it was just uh, an opportunity for me to show my former team and teammates, you know, that, you know, I, I deserve something better at the club, you know, and, and to be awarded the man of the match in that game was, you know, unbelievable uh, and uh, something I will, ne- I will never forget. Yeah. Okay, so Hutch and Ed, I mean, you've touched on a couple of these already, but I will read it all out. Um, mm-hmm. they, they are interested in you going for management. Now that's been rolled oh, out. No, sorry, guys. Direct, sorry, director, guys. director of football. Come on. Yeah. Sorry, guys, about that. You know. <laughs> yeah. To, um, yeah. I heard a rumor, Ricardo, that when you uh, left Portsmouth, uh, part part of the reason you went, or part of the deal, you wanted included, sort of a, a staff role. Is that true, or is that just rumors on the on the grapevine? No, no. I, I, it, it, it wasn't something I uh, I wanted. You know, it it was a possibility that was uh, uh, that was offered to me. You know, okay. it was not it was nothing that I uh, I wanted. You know, it was it was. You know, I don't want to 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 speak about it too much because it, it, uh, it didn't happen. Unfortunately, because I would love to to have stayed, but. Um, it uh, it was a possibility a possibility that that uh, at the time they they talked to me about uh, about uh, being in a position in the future with with the club but uh, when when uh, we talked uh, seriously that that option was not there so that's okay. that's 
all yeah. I have to say about it. That's it. Okay. No, that's great. Um, just, just, to, just to read out a couple of comments, actually, that people sent in. So not necessarily questions, but uh, John Williams said, uh, John Woods, sorry, mate, said, uh, Ricardo understood Pompey and what it meant to the, the fans in the city. Um, he's also a quality player that gave us 100% true legend. Um, Darren Williams is a top man. Um, he showed respect for us through the highs and lows. Um, Tony Cook, Ricardo is referred to as a legend because he got Pompey and what it means. It seems people uh, agree with me on this, Ricardo, that you are a legend. Um, yeah. <laughs> Denise Winters, uh, excellent player, Pompey all the way. Um, yeah, Steve Mack, got, what a guy. We've got Matt Porter, true great, top bloke. Thanks for the memories. And I think quite, quite a good way of potentially wrapping this up is well, a fitting one is Matt Clements, who I think I think yeah. you've seen this tweet on Twitter already, uh, Ricardo. Just wanted to say a massive thank you to Ricardo for how supportive he's been in my mental health battle lately yeah, yeah, yeah. as he's been struggling with some things and he's helped, you've reached out to him and helped him out. So, yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to speak about him with you guys. I was going to say, sorry, can I say something? It's about... Yeah, please do. Yeah, Greg know, knows him or spoke with him as well in, in Twitter and I want I want the Pompey fans to, to give him support because when I saw his... Uh, his, his tweet, you know, I was like, oh, my, how is that possible, you know? He was talking about, uh, uh, you know, his, his, his mother not being proud of what he's doing right now. Uh, he, and, uh, you know, I, I reached out to him because he needs to, 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 be, to have support, you know, and to, to fight uh, the, the, the problems he, he has. And, you know, Pompey, I think Pompey is a family, so everybody helps each other and uh, and uh, I want Matthew to be to be all right I want him to to achieve what he wants to get his goals I need uh, I want him to uh, to work hard and to go through these difficult moments and uh, if I or any anybody else can help you know uh, not not just him but anybody that needs that needs support uh, you know we're, we're, we're here we're a family so we're always together okay go Matthew I wish you I wish you well mate and keep me posted okay I'll be checking. Good man. Ricardo, you're uh, so a street legend, mate. We'll, we'll, put his, we'll put his Twitter handle out there as well. So it's at Matt Clements PFC. So Pompey yeah. fans on Twitter, drop Matt a message. Let him know, you know see how he's getting on, etc. Drop him a message of support. Because it is a big family on Twitter, even though there are quite a lot of family fights. It is still a big family. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's one big family. <laughs> Um, just speaking of which, Ricardo, um, my friend Gemma Gratwick, um, she was the one that helped me get the ticket for the game last month against Southampton. She just asked if she could give a shout out for her daughter, Taryn, and to just say hey. <laughs> she was a mascot at the game uh, against oh, really? Scum last month. Oh, okay. Hi. Just to say hi? Yeah, pretty much. Just a little shout out and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. What's her name? Taryn. Taryn is the daughter's Taryn. name in German stuff. Yeah, I oh. hope everything's all right. <laughs> nice one. Awesome. I think well, that's Ricardo. everything we've got here. Yeah. yeah, that's everything. Is everything, Greg? You good? Uh, I've just got one thing. So you can you can have this edited out if you want, Ricardo. Um, did you know you've got the record for the, for the highest average red cards in the Premier League history? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, Everybody was was talking to me about that you know i was uh, i was with pompey uh, in the premier league for six months you know i got two red cards one for a professional foul 
which was just a, a game suspended and uh, two yellow cards, you know, so two reds. And I, I'm the most, uh, I'm the, mo the, the, the most, how, how do they say they, it? Uh, the, Here, the highest highest average red card per game. That's possible. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! See, legend, legend. Mate, <laughs> it's fitting way to end the podcast. That is indeed, <laughs> Ricardo. Thanks for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And you know, you spent over an hour talking to us, and you know, it's absolutely fantastic. So thanks again, thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I hope you know. Uh, uh, a lot of success for you guys, and I hope all the fans just enjoyed the. The, the podcast and our conversation as well and and just a shout out to Greg Greg come on we need more goals so he can only tweet them Let's if we score them that's the problem we will score them we will to do it come on bicep fire football <laughs> come on Greg alright thanks Ricardo mate cheers yeah, cheers Ricardo bye bye Thanks, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Ricardo, for coming on the podcast. It was absolutely incredible to hear his views on, well, not just being an ex-Pompey player, but being a Pompey fan. And I think we can agree, guys, isn't it, that that's really what makes the club special. Yep, absolutely. I mean, you got a guy, as was mentioned a couple of times, um, Andy mentioned it as well that he's been gone over half a decade, and he's still got love for, for let's be honest, for for a smaller club, if you will. Um, yeah, and to take his time, his own time to do it, I was, I think it's overwhelming. Yeah. So. That was, you know, an incredibly positive um, hour as well. And we're going to do a little bit of, you know, look, a quick look at the Bristol Rovers game and then, then a, a preview of Oxford that's coming up. But let, let's just go into it, boys, and, and see what see what we think, you know, give a little general overview of the game. And Bristol Rovers, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fantastic result, was it? Let's be honest, we're 2-0 up, should have held the lead. And Andy, what's your thoughts on how we conceded at the end again quite late in the game? Well, the, pretty much the final kick, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's the general frustration. Um, we're not going to reinvent the wheel by talking about the same things over and over again on the pod here. But um, it's just this inability to see games out. It's coming up over and over again throughout the season. I don't want to be overly negative, to be honest, because we've had a really nice podcast uh, tonight. So we're going to not go too heavy, but if you look at the the track record over this season so far in terms of throwing the lead away against Coventry, conceding late against Wickham, conceding late against Wimbledon, and again, um, throwing away a two-goal lead against a team who only actually had one shot on target in the entire match. You know, there's it's a, it's a recurring theme, and it's not what Kenny Jacket teams have traditionally been known for. Um my my main frustration, and I'm I'm not comparing us to Leicester City in any way, shape, or form, in terms of the standard of our players. I don't think anyone would be naive enough to make that comparison. But your mentality, no matter how good you are at the game or what league you're in, your mentality can be, you know, in terms of going for a bigger win or going for more goals, can be the same if you're in the Premier League or if you're in League Two. And if you look at some teams like. Brendan Rodgers on Friday night, which is a game we all enjoyed, went two up, looked for the third, went three up, looked for the fourth. And I know they were against 10 men, but we've been against 10, nine men this season. And 
and very much not done that. Um, and yeah, when we scored the second goal, style of game, uh, style of play changed. Started sitting back. Um, I think it was uh, Sam in the, in one of our group chats said that uh, going two 0 up in a weird way in hindsight was one of the worst things that could have happened. Which um, in terms of the style of play, obviously you'd rather be two goals up than one. But he said that in his opinion, the complacency kicked in and the whole mentality changed after going two goals up. And yeah, you shouldn't be drawing two all in a game where the other team has one shot on target. It's not not really rocket science, that is it. But it is frustrating because the performance wasn't dreadful. We did create some good chances. Their keeper had a you know, pretty good game, made some good saves, uh, down from, from headers in particular. And on another day, we could have won that 4-1 not without it being too much of a stretch of the imagination, but there's too many of our games that you can say that across uh, about this season. And eventually you've got to stop saying, Oh, that one could have gone the other way. Couldn't it? But when it, when it happens six or seven games out of 10, that, that, you know, there's a recurring theme there. There's a common denominator that that's something that needs to be addressed. So yeah, that's my sort of not going too deep, not getting too frustrated take on the game, I guess. Yeah. And Greg, Looking at the game, I suppose one of the things that I really picked out of it, I suppose from a positive point of view, was that Ronan Curtis looked looked like more of the player we expected him to be this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't watch as much as I could uh, wanted to because, as you guys know, I was at work at the time. But when that goal went in and his reaction, you can say, yep, that's Ronan. Ronan, it seems like he's back. He needed that goal. Um, I can't, like I said, I can't give too much on the game because I didn't watch it. And foolishly enough, I thought 2-0, okay, I'm going to go back to work now. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, that... that, um, that Have you ever that watched Pompey before, Greg? That's, that's naive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me about it. But again, yeah, I, I also agree completely with Andy's point that these, oh, it was one of those games are getting a little bit too frequent for my liking. Andy, did you manage to catch a bit more of what Ronan Curtis was about? And were you impressed with this play generally? Or do you think it was just a goal that he got um, and it wasn't about an improved performance? No, I I thought his overall performance was improved on, definitely on what we'd seen in the the run of games before um, he had some time out of the side. I think what he's needed is what a lot of people are suggesting that Ben Close could benefit from at the moment, which is just three, four games out of the limelight um, and then come back fresh legs. We forget, I think, as fans that they're training day in, day out, playing a large number of games where they're, you know, pushing their bodies to to not far off the limits for 90 minutes. Um, and that is going to catch up with you in terms of fatigue. So I think having a few games off has both physically and mentally given him a, a bit of time to come back fresher stronger um and i think that was well that meant that manifested in how he how he approached the game and how he played and he deserved the goal to cap off the performance i think yeah um i think it's something we've touched on in previous pods as well is his relationship with lee brown on the left yeah and i think him coming back into the side after lee brown's had a couple of games to bed back into the team after coming back from his injury um i think in terms of the circumstances for him coming back into the team, it all lined up pretty nicely. Um, and that, you know, so that, that he put in a positive performance there isn't a coincidence for me. 
No, completely. Um, one of the player I thought was um was an interesting start again was that Ross McCrory got the nods again at, at right back. Um, when I thought that would that happen, wasn't sure. Um, but you know, looking at the stats, Ross actually made five successful dribbles, which is a team lead um or a team leading stat basically. Do you think Ross added much going forward on on that right hand side? And um, was that a smart move then to to insert him at right back? Do you want to go with that, Greg? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did see them. I, I think Russ McCoy uh, can play well, um, but yeah, as, as as a lot of people have pointed out, it doesn't bode so well for Bolton and Anton. Um, but you know what? Sometimes that's the case. We've got the the thing is when you've got such a on uh, such a good strong squad, you're never going to make everyone happy. You know, uh, it's, it's the same as with um, Hunstrop, obviously, straight away getting dropped for Lee Brown. But as was mentioned, Lee Brown and uh, Curtis's um, chemistry is really strong. And I think sometimes you just got to weigh it up and say, and I did hear that uh, McCrory played right back for Scotland. If anyone can confirm. I can't confirm or deny that, mate. I know he's played defensively for Rangers in the past. He's played in the back four, I think, in an old firm derby against Celtic. But I'm not sure about his Scotland performances. I don't know for Scotland, but I do know that Ross came through the ranks um, at Rangers as a centre-back. It was only when um, Steven Gerrard came in, looked at him and thought, actually, I think he'd be better off as a holding midfielder. Um, So basically, they played uh, 4-1-4-1 against Celtic. And Ross was basically... um, charged with playing in front of the back four holding holding the in, in a holding midfield role so he can definitely play center back i think gerard's keen to see him play in a midfield role um, and rangers fans really were hoping to see him develop there obviously playing right back isn't really what they're looking for but a bit like i suppose as a center back playing right back can be quite difficult but you know, as someone who can play midfield as well, it's probably an easier transition than someone like, say, Christian Burgess being put at right back. Yeah, um, um, I think you're probably right there. Yeah, I won't go into it in too much detail then if we want to move on. But I think we just need to find some consistency. It's again, you're looking at the number of players who have now started at right back. You've got uh, you've got Bolton, Burgess played right back, McCrory's played right back, Walks has played right back, and that's just four off the top of my head. There probably are others. Um, and it's only been, what, 10, 11, 12 games in the league. So, yeah, because finding some consistency would be nice uh, from a fan's perspective. But again, with some of this is just repeating what we said on previous podcasts because they are recurring issues. Yeah, and I've heard that you've put in your name in the hat, Andy, to play right back as well. Um, I, I played left back for my school B team when I, uh, I was in goal for the A team. Played left back for the B team, so I do have some wing back experience. Good. I've got on about 30 kilos since though, so it may be a bit less effective. No, that's rubbish, mate. You've been doing, you've been doing marathons. Just, um, just one marathon. Marathons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's irrelevant. Move on, you move on. All right, let's just go into the Oxford game. Um, it's been a long podcast. We're all knackered and stuff as well. And I think people want to hear what we think about the upcoming game against Oxford. Oxford at the moment, obviously flying in the league, um, exceeding expectations for many. Uh, Cole Robinson's actually managed to get a bit of a winning formula through some strong midfield play. Uh, the duel of Henry and Henry seems to be the absolute um, the dynamo for them, really, both scoring seven goals each. Greg, did you have a stat about um, Ox's uh, strike rate? Yeah. 
Yeah, they've got uh, actually eight goals each um, with a very good average, and I need to quickly find it. Um, so, uh, Totos Henry, I can't pronounce mm-hmm. his name. You've got it, He mate. has, yeah, uh, he has um, like eight goals and one assist, and he's averaging uh, one, three, seven, uh, 137 minutes and two assists, beg your pardon. And James Henry has uh, literally one goal in every two games with uh, 180 minutes for eight goals and three assists. So obviously that's uh, that's going to cause a problem because that's 16 goals from just two players. Um, so they definitely have to be watched and marked properly. Um, and I think they can be nullified, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be it's going to a tough match. I really think this is they're going to have to dig their heels in d- deep for this match to get I mean, anything we, from it. We're potentially playing at a bit of the wrong time as well um, in terms of their form coming into it. On the, the night we're recording, they've literally just beaten uh, beaten Sunderland on penalties in whatever cup it is, Carabao, EFL, Carabao, whatever they call it. Carabao, whatever they call it now. Um, but they're coming in off beating Rochdale, beating Rotherham, beating Doncaster. Um, Drawing with Accrington Stanley, beating Gillingham, 4 0 win against a pretty strong West Ham side, beating Lincoln 6 0. You know, looking back at the last few league games, the only real hiccup they've had was outside of the league. And that was the, um, the again, don't even know what cup it was, where uh, we turned them over on penalties at the Kassam. Uh, that's the oh, only real the hiccup they've trade. had. And check a trade. Uh, okay. They, they put out quite a strong lineup in that, in that um, fixture. But for yeah, the most yeah, part, eight uh, of eleven started the last match. Okay, um, but yeah, the last league defeat by the looks of it was seventh of September. So you're looking back quite a long way, and that was away against Fleetwood, who I think we also have in the next few games. So yeah, we're we're coming up against some interesting opponents in the next few weeks. I mean, we all know how good James Henry is. He's been there for a bit, and he's one of their creative players in the middle. So. Uh, got to be aware of him. If you've got a weak link in the side, I suppose I'm going to... Oxford fans have disagreed because they were arguing with me on Twitter telling me that I was absolutely bonkers. Um, he was going to be snapped up by a, a championship side. There's rumours everywhere that Barnsley were going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the kicking maestro of Simon Eastwood. I knew you were going to pull him out of the bag. Every time we've talked that. about Oxford on the pod, you've gone straight to Simon Eastwood. It's not because I fancy him, but it's just because he's an interesting topic, Andy. I didn't imply that, mate. That says a lot about your state of mind. That's where you went to. <laughs> um, for what it's worth, I'd agree with you, mate, in terms of the weak link in the, t- in the, t- in the team. It was a, a bit of a classic Eastwood that gave us uh, one of our goals in that checker trade, whatever it was, trophy game uh, early this month or last month. And yeah, he's one of those players that has got a, a pretty mega mistake in him. Um, but other than that, the team does look solid. They play quite attacking football. They're not struggling to score goals at all. They're winning games by two, three goal margins uh, for the most part. It's it's quite a hard team to pick out a specific weakness in, in outside of um, Simon Eastwood on an off day. Yeah, I think Dickie's look good at the back as well. Um, obviously, he could be quite hard to break down. I, I think it's going to be a pretty tough game. Um, interesting, they play 4-2-3-1 as a formation usually. Jamie Mackey up front hasn't set the world on fire either, um, goals-wise anyway. So 
I think it's more about looking at those players behind him that was going to cause us troubles, as Greg's already touched on. A bit like the whole, um, not he's not the same player, but you know we had Ollie Hawkins up front for us last season, who more enabled the attacking midfielders to get the goals. And I think Oxford play a bit more like that as well. I think Mackie's just been around forever, hasn't he? I don't know how old he is. He must be mid thirties. Forty-five. Um, sorry. <laughs> He's 45. He's not 45. He's 34. He's 35, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, but he does seem like he's been around forever. He's a bit of a journeyman. He's been around that sort of Championship League One level. Um, I think, yeah, ride them off at your peril. Like you say, he's not a, the most prolific goal scorer. Definitely not. I, I don't think throughout his career he's ever been a really prolific goal scorer. But as you say, he enables those players around him um, to, to you know, score the goals that make up for him not bagging. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a difficult test against Oxford. But however, Pompey have now scored two goals in the last game. Yes, we conceded two as well. Yes, one was an own goal, and they only had one shot on target. But lads, we've got a positive podcast here. Are we are we suddenly feeling positive about Oxford? <laughs> no, <laughs> not even slightly. No, come on, um, Andy. Sorry, I know that's not the answer you're looking for. Um. I know. <laughs> is your influ- is your decision slightly influenced by the fact that I watched the li- team living in Oxford, um, doing your work there? Is, is there added pressure there for yourself? Not in the slightest. No. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I just I I don't have that much confidence in the side at the moment. It's it's a frustrating time to be a Bombay fan. I think if the players turn up, we can grab a result. If they play the football, they're capable of. We can grab a result. Um, again, reiterating what so many people have said, I'd like to see Cannon come in for close. Cannon came off uh, with a niggle earlier today in the, for the resis, um, mm. but it looks like that wasn't as serious as they think it was. It looks like it was just a dead leg. So hopefully he would be fit for Saturday's game. Um, but then that is a quite a nice excuse if, if Jacket doesn't want to start him to say that he's not fully recovered. But I'd like to see him coming for close, and I'd like to see us playing two up top with Harris, uh, Ellis Harrison, and John Marquis up top. But uh, if we do all those things, um, you know, you, you never would bet against your own team. But am I confident? That, uh, no, no, I'm not. You. <laughs> oh, I, I, I Sorry, thought you were going to tell it. No, there's no mate. There's no right answer on this podcast. I just just interested to see your point of view. Um, Brannigan's quite good in the middle as well, isn't he? Um, 23 years old. I think he's got five assists already this season. When we're talking about having a, a, a holding midfielder, really, in a 4-2-3-1 or a central midfielder, that's what we're looking to get. And if Andy Cannon is available to play in that role, because they probably are going to play 4-2-3-1, Oxford just show that you can get a player playing in that position who's not a purely defensive player. And I think Andy Cannon playing in that role would really help us. And Let's hope that Oxford don't have a game with with a you know a quite similar player in the way of Brannigan who actually you know proves that we should be playing that player in that position as well. Greg, what are your thoughts on the game? Do you have the same opinion as Andy? It's hard not to, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. It is hard not to. Um, the only positive, well, there's a couple of positives you can look at, and yeah, you can take this how you know however you see it fit. But we're eight points behind Oxford having played two games less and we've lost the exact same amount of games. Um, that's one thing. Second of all, Oxford have just, as we 
stated have just played a game which means we have more rest time and they played a pretty strong squad i don't think it was a start complete starting 11 but it was a pretty a lot of the names i knew in the team sheet and we're at home um i think we can nick a result i can't see if we get to the point where we get that game you know that game where we really take a team apart it's not going to be this game um it's going to be unfortunately if we win this it's going to be winning ugly um and i think it's critical and we have been lacking so i haven't got an exact number on my on on me but we've been struggling for goals in general but first half goals we've been really struggling with and i think i agree absolutely with cannon um if he's fit and and close really needs a rest he really needs a rest he's still very young as well and he kind of got thrown in to the team um i'm not going to go into the politics of cannon why cannon why not harrison and blah 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 but we need to get a service like um, Marquis, uh, Marcus, beg pardon, uh, made a perfect setup last week. But he needs this as well from the other guys. Um, but maybe not four two uh, four four two. But I wouldn't mind maybe Marquis, uh, Marcus behind um, Harrison or vice versa. I don't know enough to say maybe used to know who would be better to play behind the striker i mean i guess if if you were going to do that you'd have harrison up top and then mark was playing off him yeah because harrison's got a banging head off yeah i I don't love if i'm honest i don't love that system i'd rather see them get a chance next to each other but i think if you were going to do it that way you'd have to have harrison as the target man and then mark was playing off him but yeah i think it's going to happen on the jacket not 442 boys here we go one second here what I think we're missing at is, is Marcus Harness injured? Not to my oh, knowledge. Has he, has he pulled up in training? Or? No. He no. got taken well, off last weekend, I know. And, and a lot of people weren't very happy about it. I just oh. I just have a feeling that you've got to think that if we're going to start and if we are going to play Kenny Jackett's favourite four two three one, for me, if Ronan Curtis played well, you've got, you've got to get him back into the team still. But you surely you've got to play Marcus Harness on the other on the other wing. Yeah, potentially rotate Williams out the side. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. He's, uh, he's looked he's look good. He's got he's got a lot of energy and he runs at defences the entire time. And I said on the last pod how good how seriously good his anaerobic fitness is, repeated sprints. Um, but yeah, it's a squad game, bit of rotation. I wouldn't have a problem with Curtis starting on the left and, and um, Harness on the right with Williams to come on and hopefully run at a tired defence for the last 25 minutes. I mean, that would rely on us making a sub before injury time at the end of the second half. But, you know, you can dream. That's it. OK, boys, let's wrap this up now. It's quite late and we've done a long podcast and cheers to that. So let's do score prediction time. Andy, what is your score prediction? Um, I'm going to go for an extremely... Uh, I'm going to say we can take a point from it. I can't honestly see us winning the game. Um, I very much hope to be proved wrong. Um, I'll go for a score draw. I think one all, two all. Greg, what are you doing? I'm going to go for one all. Happy to be proved wrong if it's in a positive way. Um, but yeah, one all is going to be mine. And who's the goal scorers, lads? I forgot to ask. Andy, who's the goal scorer? Lee Brown, do it. Uh, Lee Brown, double, mate. It's coming, isn't it? It's coming. It's got... 
It's got to be. The chances are there, aren't they? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not as if he doesn't get opportunities. It's definitely coming. And when it happens, it's going to be mega. Get mega money as well, mate. I need yeah. to claw back some of those two pound bets I've been making for uh, a season and a half might, now. Have you actually been betting on him every week or not, mate? <laughs> yeah, weekly, mate. Weekly. Have you actually? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. You must every be week. Quite a lot in the red. No, I'm actually up, but we won't go too much into not, that. Not, not from Lee Brown scoring, you're not. <laughs> no, no. You know what? I've got to balance the books in other ways, mate. So um, giving my soul out. But Greg, who's your goal scorer? Who's, what's going to happen? Tom Naylor. From distance? No, just I think uh, when he goes for his box-to-box runs, he does push forward sometimes. And I think as well that if close is rested, I think if I think he's going to maybe push a little bit more forward. And failing that, if, if it's not going to be... If close is starting, then I'm going to go for... Um, I'm going to go for Marcus. I think Marcus is going to get one, one way or the other, whether it's a tap-in... Or not, I don't know, but I'm going to go for either Naylor if close isn't starting and Marcus if uh, if not. Okay, I'm going to go 2-2 as well. I'm going to fly in here. I'm going to say Raggett gets one off the head from a set he's, piece. He's got on the end of a few set pieces recently. You know? Yeah, that's not a bad shout, mate, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. He's got to go in. He's just going to rag one in, mate. And then again, Lee Brown... <laughs> My big man, he's going to win me some serious peas. He's going to score from distance, mate. It's going to be a left-footed volley from outside the box. Two all. And the fans are going to go wild with a point that we probably didn't deserve. Well, our fans are going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Epic I comeback, just, mate. I just want to point out, mate, that after you slagged off Simon Eastwood, he's just saved the penalty in a shootout uh, from our very own Mark McNaughty to win a shootout for Oxford against Sunderland. So... <laughs> he's obviously in decent nick well no he, I, don't, I don't think so mate he's always an alright shot stopper from that kind of thing but we know what to do launch the ball in the air he's going to come over he's going to try and claim that. a corner <laughs> we are good at that as well just sling it sling it in he's going to try and claim it he's going to flap everywhere Raggett's going to be there on his big old forehead mm. bang in the net hope so mate maybe yeah. I've drank too much uh, caffeine today and maybe you know, <laughs> No, it's, it's a big few weeks, mate. If you look at the fixtures, we're coming up against teams that are in very good form and teams that are in terrible form and not very much in between. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously Oxford on Saturday. Then we've got so many home games coming up. Um, seven out of ten. Yeah, it's, it's, it's seven out of ten. It's a ridiculous yep. amount. Um, so, yeah, obviously this is a tough game Saturday against Oxford, but then Southend on Tuesday. I think they've, they've just had Sol Campbell and Herman Herideson take over there. And they, well, they were seven-one at home against Doncaster. They got turned over last week, and um, we beat so, Doncaster. Yeah, exactly. Campbell and Horidison, absolutely love that. Yeah, and Andy Cole. Duo. There and Andy well. Cole, yeah, Andy Cole, yeah. trio. Yeah, they'll get a decent reception back at Fratton. But yeah, if we don't win that game comfortably, yeah, that's that. <laughs> we keep saying, when would you start worrying? Well, I think Ashley will far beyond that now, but. When would real alarm bells in terms of the owners potentially? I think if we get turned over on both of these games, Saturday, Tuesday, getting turned over by a very, very below average South End sub team at Fratton could be the writing on the wall potentially. And then, you know, a lovely away trip to Harrogate Town to seal the deal. It could be a spectacularly bad two weeks, or it could be a wonderful two weeks. I guess we'll wait and see. 
and Harrogate is on telly apparently on the for a Monday night kickoff, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, on BT Sport, isn't it? Yep. So if you can't make the trip up to Yorkshire, um, it's Yorkshire, isn't it? Yeah, can't make the trip up to Yorkshire, then you can go watch it on BT Sport. Um, and just just to finish off, um, the owners are apparently going to be at the Oxford game. I uh, just saw that today. So they're coming to watch the game at home at Fratton Park. So it'd be interesting to see what their point of view is on what's going on. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if that trip was always in the calendar or if it's a bit of a short term planning. But we're not going to get that. We're not going to get given that sort of information. I know they come over from time to time. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm not reading too much of that personally, but your, your point also makes is is valid maybe but yeah well you know let's hope that we've been saying it a lot but let's hope this is the game to turn around the season because at the end of the day we are very so far from the playoffs and very close at the same time (laughs) with the games in hand right lads let's let's finish it there sorry greg i'm absolutely shattered and greg (laughs) andy thanks for being on the podcast today really appreciate it Thank you for having us. And no you too again, Ricardo. Thank you when you yep. listen. Yep, and thanks again, Ricardo. And until next time, play at Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle. <laughs>